0: Told. And in the name of flood control They made their plans and they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on a cypress stump. I listened close and I heard the ghost of Osceola across.
1: expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Florida State football blew another halftime lead, this time against Louisville, but ultimately came out on top 35-24. This is the fourth straight game the Noles have given up a halftime lead and trailed in the fourth quarter. Is this becoming too common for FSU fans? We preview the FSU-NC State football matchup this weekend at Doak Campbell Stadium at 7 p.m. And finally, a preview of the baseball wild card race. It's starting to heat up here in the room. Playoffs are coming for baseball. Uh, Florida State football trying to find their stride. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Putnick. Gary, how has your week been so far? tiring nonetheless <laughs> oh, that's okay you know it, it, it's 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 only monday it's only monday, monday. It's, we're, we're trying to get better can only you go know? from here <laughs> you can you can only get better and speaking to get getting better the rays were at the bottom just like the marlins at one point but now they are nearing the top
2: Sure.
1: how uh how, how are you liking
2: the chances of holding on to that last wild card spot. I'm, I'm liking the chances, but it's going to be a it's going to be a crazy week. Six games left, uh, and I'm just glad that the city of Tallahassee and any, anyone streaming online can listen to my intro in full. Uh, sorry, Alex. Sorry, Gary. Uh, rough start to the show, but it's going to be a great one tonight.
1: And to my right, I have Alex Crutchick. The Marlins lost over 100 games and extended Don Manningly. Is this the right move for the Marlins organization going forward?
3: Yeah, we got the league right where we want them. Um, we are entrenched with the third pick in the draft. And, um, yeah, and you know who else lost 100 games in a row before becoming a powerhouse in the in, uh, MLB is the Houston Astros.
1: That is completely right. Uh, I, I totally agree. You know, we, we have slip-ups, but not to dwell on it. Uh, but something that we are going to dwell on is what Florida State football has been the last four games, which is Jekyll and Hyde. We said it last week, and it happened again. Florida State blew blew out Louisville in, in the first half. They went up 21 to 0 uh at 21 at, to 7 in the first half. Louisville w- got a late touchdown they in did, the first half. But but they were up 21 to 0 yeah, one and point then in allowed in, in yes. the first quarter, yeah. And allowed 24 straight to Louisville, which is not not a good look Gary.
4: No it is not and it seems like they it's same thing over and over again every week it's blown lead in the second half and how they respond and they, the team responded well this week. And that was the big—that was the difference uh, maker. Spin, spin, zone, spin
2: Zone, Spin Zone—they've had four games that they've trailed in the fourth quarter, and they've won two of them. So, that's something. I think this team does have a bit of an edge to them. I think they can compete late in games, but yes, I think everyone would prefer if they win games a little more comfortably from here on out. That—that that is completely true, and the—the—the the, the comfort might have just gotten a little bit
1: worse because James Blackman, who looked for all intents and purposes pretty good in that in that first half. Um, he, he he went down in the second half. He started 11 of 14 for 127 yards, um, no touchdowns. But the 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 real the real person who's been carrying the load for Florida State is Cam Akers, and you, you got to look at it and think how much longer can Florida State stick with Cam Akers, given that now what we've learned is James Blackman, Alex James Blackman is is going to be out for this upcoming game.
3: Yeah, and honestly, I, I think Alex Hornibrook looked like he knew exactly what was going on out there. He didn't look lost. He looked, he looked like a senior. He looked like a senior who had already had experience at another big-time school in Wisconsin. You know, he's not your average freshman, sophomore quarterback rolling in when he wasn't expecting to.
1: I think he is what people thought he was. The arm strength isn't really there, but he made the, he made the correct reads, the correct throws, and when things got bad, when Louisville came back, and what did we say last week? Louisville has struggled, or Florida State has struggled against those running quarterbacks. We didn't know what quarterback we would see Jawan pass for Louisville or Malik Cunningham. Well, Malik Cunningham showed up, and he looked pretty darn good for Louisville. You, you have to say that that was, that was a diff- difference maker in the game, Brett.
2: Yeah, Horny Brook, I'm not I'm not ready to crown him yet. It was a really small sample size. Yeah, I think he did play well. It's going to be really important to kind of see how he plays against a team that has all week to game plan for Alex Hornibrook in the Florida State offense? Because Florida State this week, they're going to have to rely on Cam some more. Obviously, the arm strength isn't there. Tamarian Terry hasn't really had the best start to the season. I know he had a huge touchdown due to a blown coverage uh, on Saturday. So that that's what I'm kind of interested. I think Hornibrook played well. I don't want to take anything away from him. I want to give him credit, but I'm not ready to to crown him yet.
1: Gary, do you think that Alex Hornibrook is, is going to be – what what these knolls need could could he step in and maybe not give up that job?
4: I don't believe he's gonna give up. I believe he's gonna give up the job once Blackman comes back because Blackman is that captain. I think he is the heartbeat of this team, and it, the job's always gonna be there for him when he gets back and healthy and ready to go. But Hornybrook will do a good job of uh, carrying it over until Blackman is ready to go because he did play well, and I I this is what I wanted when I when I kept saying I want Hornybrook I didn't want it to come this way, granted, but Hornybrook came in and he did his job.
1: Is it a little bit worrisome that you you look at Louisville and what happened last year. Florida State had to rally and get a late interception to come back and beat Louisville. This year it, w- it was almost the flip of the script where Florida State went up a lot and then gave it up. Is it worrisome that they're struggling against the worst team in the ACC?
4: Both of these programs are transitioning to say the least. and. It's just a sign of the times, really. I don't think it's worrisome, but it's they're, they're winning ball games.
2: You can't really worry. Brett? Yeah, I, I can't call Louisville the worst team in the ACC. They might be there by season's end, but you had some really bad programs, Georgia Tech, but, but Florida State's not at the in the upper echelon of the ACC. Florida State's middle, bottom half of the pack, kind of. And so to see them win a game at home by double digits, they won by 11 points, they covered the spread, that was comforting to, I think, a lot of Florida State fans.
1: They did cover the spread, but you have to say that that late touchdown on a roughing the kicker kind of helped true, a little bit. True. Ricky Aguayo had made a field goal at the end of the game that would have made it a seven-point game. Instead, there was a roughing the kicker. Points are points. Points are points. But look at, looking looking forward, Alex, is, is, is Florida State the type of team that is going to get better off of this type of win, or is it just another of the same where – You get in that locker room at halftime and go, well, we're about to give up another lead.
3: I do think they're going to get better, and I think there's already improvement here. Uh, And I actually want to go back a week before Louisville against Virginia. That's a game where you went to another environment at night against a top 25 team that really wanted to beat you, and you lost by a touchdown, and you were within five yards of tying that game. And it's games like that and games like Louisville that make you realize that this team is better than it was last year because that game against Virginia – that's a game that FSU um, gets their butts handed to them. Yeah. And same with Louisville. That's a game where even just earlier in the year, that's a game where they let Louisville come back
1: and that's it. So you do you like the fight with this team? Is it is it a different type of fight than what you would have seen in previous years? I do. I think it's a better fight not only in previous years,
3: but even in previous weeks. I mean, Boise State, it was pretty much a repeat of Boise State, except this time, and Willie Taggart alluded to it at the press conference. This time, yes, they let them come back, but – they didn't make the same mistake twice.
1: And I, I want to give the the listeners a little bit of background. Brett and Alex were yeah. at the game covering it for the station. I was not at the game. Neither was Gary. So so give us a little well, bit of background on the experience and, and what, what you learned within it.
2: it. You know, it's a great experience as always. And I got the chance to talk to Marvin Wilson a little bit after the game because you look at what Florida State had to go through throughout this game. You lose not only James Blackman on offense, a huge leader for the team. You lose another huge leader on the other side of the ball, and Jaden Lars would be. And there was a big kind of game break. When Woodby goes down, he had to be carted off the field. We now know that his season is over with that injury. But Marvin Wilson, I asked him, I said, what were the conversations on the sideline? What was the mindset going into the rest of that game, knowing you just lost two two of the best players on this Florida State team? And he just told me, next man up. We talk about it all the time. Injuries are gonna happen, next man up next man up and I think Florida State really did that and to see them fight back after those injuries and everything else they had to deal with in that game was absolutely essential for that win Alex
3: exactly And just to build off that kind of what Brett was saying kind of what I was saying before they hadn't scored since the first quarter and there was like a the, all those injuries happened in like a five or ten minute span yeah. yes it's very easy to say well we just lost our quarterback we lost our linebacker and there was a third guy that went down I think it was Corey Durden I think just for mm-hmm. a couple minutes yep we haven't scored since the first quarter I, its boys stayed all over again. It was it could have been easy to just pack it all away but they
2: playing, in, playing in front of the smallest crowd in over 30 years uh, in Tallahassee. That is you know that's hard. It was kind of ironic that that crowd that that was
1: lower was against Louisville yeah, in the 70s as well. <laughs> um, you, you throw that out there. but Alex, you, you were at the game, you saw everything that went on. Those injuries, James Blackman, for people who don't know, James Blackman went down with a lower leg injury. They announced it as an MCL sprain, I believe. That's what it was reported and, yesterday. And a, yeah. and a bone bruise. I've gone through a bone bruise. It You can't really move your knee for about two weeks. You can't get it fully extended. And then about week three, you're, you're back to yourself. Blackman is not going to play this weekend. No that, chance. That's, that's what's happening. Jaden Woodby's out. Joshua Kando is out as well from from the previous week. He went down with an ACL injury. What was a defensive line and linebacker core that wasn't very good is now getting worse. The quarterback room is getting worse. Cam Akers is having more carries. He's going to have to carry the load even more. At what point, Alex, do you think this might be a little bit too much for this football team?
3: I think it is going to be a challenging couple weeks. I think that Cam Akers is going to get a lot of carries, but also I, I like um, Kalen Layburn, he did uh, really well on Saturday, too, and I think that I'd like to see them both kind of, not split carries, but labor and just get a little bit more just to ease the load off of Cam Akers.
4: Gary? Yeah, well, building off labor, and again, he doesn't get the touches. We say this every week, I'm pretty sure. It's beating Two dead carries horse. for 18 yards. And his longest rush was 17 yards. So he just doesn't get the opportunities, and he did do well. in his first, I think his first carry was that 17-yard one.
1: I know that at, with certain schools, they have a, a little pad on there that says we, we got to keep track of who has touches. Cam Akers cannot have twenty nine touches yeah, for, this, for this. For this, he, he can't. But for, you know who for could, his load.
4: But you know who could help ease his load? Kalen Laburn, Alex Hornibrook. Okay, <laughs> he had three carries for eighteen yards. So, granted, a little bit more carries to get to eighteen yards. But he does move around. I like the way he moved around the pocket this week, and he did show his a little bit being elusive, would you say? <laughs> he, he's
1: calculated, Gary, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. I believe he is the safe pick. It's not uh, the, the safe pick to carry the team while Blackman mm-hmm. is hurt. It's good to have him. This is why you brought him in. Exactly, yeah. You needed someone because
4: there's just question marks at the quarterback position because obviously Taggart didn't bring in any quarterbacks in the last recruiting class with Sam. The last Howell two di- recruiting classes. The last two, sorry, yeah, yeah. The last two because Sam Howell went off to UNC. Bailey Hawkman hops ship. From mm-hmm. in- he did get he two transfers,
2: it, though. Yeah. He brought, brings in yeah. Travis and Horny Bro. He did get two tra- transfers, transfers, on but still, lay, it's still nice to director, have some. As well? yeah.
4: Yeah. It's still nice to have some freshmen coming in, or nice to have young guys coming to where you can develop them.
1: Yeah, and. Look at look at Hornibrook's stat, stat line. It's it's pretty good. It's fifteen of 20, 255 yards in two touchdowns. That I mean, that's pretty solid. His first pass, his first pass was for a touchdown. I, I want to. I can't remember who what quarterback it was that his first pass was a touchdown in Florida State. Um, they they mentioned it. There was threw a it was factoid there. somewhere. I saw. That yeah, I, 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 that I saw some. So he's in he's in good company. But the thing is, can he evolve himself within this offense? What we saw is Blackman was very good at making, you know, some of those tough passes, those deep balls. But when it came to the precise, concise passes within, within the sticks, he wasn't, he wasn't that great. That's something that I see that Hornibrook a positive from him.
2: Yeah, another performance I want to kind of key on is Ryan Roberts, who had a really great start to the game uh, when James Blackman was still in. When Alex Hornybrook comes in, Ryan Roberts at right tackle is covering the blind side. That's a much different role than, than a right tackle usually has to play. And, you know, lefty quarterbacks aren't very common. And now he's going to have to do that for a full game this coming Saturday. And I thought he played really well against Louisville, who doesn't have the greatest pass rush. It's going to be interesting to see how that carries over into the NC State game this weekend.
4: Well, well I thought that was interesting. I was look, I was on Twitter after the game, and I saw Ryan Roberts, a lot of quotes from him coming out. I was like, is there an alignment in the press conference? Yeah, they that, brought him out. Yeah. I, you never they, see that.
1: They only bring them out in practice.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you never see it post game. But
1: do they ever perform? They, you know, no, they Roberts haven't. finally did, so they're they're gonna trot him out.
4: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, in going back, or and so with the back to the defense, really for FSU, they really stopped the Cardinals when it came to the run game. They gave up only was it two hundred or no one hundred twenty four rushing yards. Yeah. They really just stopped them there and gave up only two point six per carry. Am I right?
1: Yeah, it it, it only two point six per carry and. In- uh, when, when Louisville came into this game, they were leading the ACC in rushing yards, 260 rushing yards. And Florida State held them with a, a dismantled linebacking core. Same thing with the D-line. They were not ready. And you got you got to like like the heart from, from this defense that showed up until the second half they got in a little bit of trouble. But they looked pretty good, Alex. Yeah, and like you said, there was
3: a, a lot of moments in that game, especially the second and third quarter, where they weren't doing great. But one little factoid that I do have is that that game, they only allowed 10 plays of 10-plus yards. And in the first three games, they allowed 59 of those plays.
2: That's that's insane. That's insane.
1: FSU's defense for seven three-and-outs. Yeah. Seven three-and-outs, which is something that the team didn't have before. These long drives are unsus- – uh, being in these long drives as a, a defense is unsustainable. Florida State – the offense is moved quick, and, and I know you have something to say about the possessions there.
2: Well, I, t- I mean, the, the conversation has been, well, the offense, they, they score so quickly, or they get off the field so quickly that when the te- defense gets back out there, they're still worn out from the last series, and that's the reason that they're giving up points. Well, the, the defense, they can help themselves. They can get themselves off the field, and that's something that they hadn't been doing for the first three games of this season. They, they improved on that a lot this week against uh, Louis, uh, Louisville, and a big part of that was Marvin Wilson, and it, and it goes without saying, but Florida State fans need to savor every moment that they get to watch Marvin Wilson because he's going to be gone next year. He's going to be a big time NFL talent in my opinion. So I think that was huge for Florida State, and the defense really did take a lot more responsibility in controlling the game, and that was so huge in the in the victory.
4: Well, yeah, and Marvin Wilson, he got voted was the ACC Defensive Player of the Week. He what was it according to Derek Satterfield, SID for football here at FSU. Marvin Wilson was the first power five uh, player since at least 2000 to have ten tackles, three-and-a-half tackles for loss, and two, two sacks, and one fumble recovery.
2: Yeah, and according to Pro Football Focus, he's the highest-rated defensive lineman in the country. In the country. So Marvin Wilson, we, we knew we knew how good he was. We, we knew how much of an impact he was going to have on the defensive line, how much of a leader he was going to be on the defense. And he struggled in maybe a couple early games, but he's played really, really well these last two and he was the player of the game, in my opinion, this last week.
1: One thing that we've highlighted, guys, the last couple of weeks has been the special team play for Florida State. Uh, you, you look at it, Tommy Martin, the walk-on punter, uh, Grothus, the kickoff man, and we, we, we've we praised Ricky Aguayo. But this was a different story. Ricky Aguayo going 0-3, missed from 51, 41, and 47. And the boobirds came out. I saw I saw a tweet from uh, Brendan Sinone. He said... Uh, he, he said it's a, a little bit early for Halloween, and I just uh, that was a that was a bad <laughs> that was a really bad joke. I wanted to relay, <laughs> but no, Ricky Aguayo looked good, and then this game 0 for three. Brett, what can you report from from the press conference? Well, well our,
2: our good friend and V89 reporter Jay Sutton got you know got the chance to talk to Coach Taggart after the game and asked him how a player like Aguayo is going to bounce back from a some from such a bad game against Louisville, and and Taggart kind of just smiled at him and said, you "Well, know, competition will help." And from what the comments he made today in today's press conference is that there is going to be competition this week in practice between him and Grothaus. And he mentioned uh, freshman Fitzgerald, the kicker Fitzgerald, that they got this year. I don't think he's, he's going to play or get any opportunities, but it wouldn't shock me if there's a long field goal attempt and in the in the you know Seminoles need three points, they send Grothaus out there to kick it.
4: Alex, do you think we're to blame for Ricky Aguayo considering we were gassing him up last week?
3: It does seem like that happens a lot with <laughs> things like this, especially with kicking. Kicking's very um what's the word? Uh superstitious Finicky. position. Uh, yes. Don't even talk to
2: me about kicking right now <laughs> after the weekend I've had. Oh, oh yeah. Boy, oh, yeah. Was, uh,
1: the Bucks weekend. had a the Bucks had a rough one. Um, but they've had you know that was a different Aguayo that that kind of ruined that sure. franchise with kicking. But yeah, go go ahead Alex. Yeah.
3: yeah, no, just what I was saying before they you know, FSU won by 11. They could have won by more than that. They left 9 points on the field. And my thing is it's not that he doesn't have the leg for it. He had the distance, but he missed wide right. And from the press box, it didn't look like bad misses, but when I watched the game back and you saw the uh, camera angle from behind the goalpost, that was way, way he, off. He was,
1: he was out of rhythm. And, and Gary, I, I I ask you this question. Should should Ricky Aguayo, should there be competition for him going into this game? It was only one game.
4: Of course. There should always be a competition. No one's job should be safe every single week because – that only lets guys get complacent. And obviously you can see at times he gets complacent. And going 0-3 with three misses left, all the same miss. And one of them even, I think it was the second one or the first oh, one. Oh, they weren't looked even like, close. It was the, no, the, I think it was the second one that looked like he was going to fall short of the field goal. And so he's just getting,
1: he could be getting complacent. I don't know. I, I want to say this. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you say, Brett? that it's interesting that Taggart comes out and says, you know, Ricky's, Ricky didn't perform in the game, there's going to be competition. And then you look at the linebacker core, and he didn't really do much about that, given that there's so much young talent with the linebackers. I,
2: is, I, is he hypocritical? No, I, it's it's really easy, and maybe this is Taggart's fault, but it's really easy to to target a kicker like that and, and to comment on a performance, because it's, it's just one guy, and one big mistake can cost you a game. Uh, with the linebackers, I don't know if there's that many... Good enough players behind the starting linebackers to fill in and take those snaps. So with Aguayo, I think Roadhouse could be an improvement. It's kind of hard to tell, though, until you see him on game day. Well, one last thing that I want to add is Florida State is
1: fourth in the FBS with 15 sacks. And this is on a hampered defensive line that we've talked about over and over and over. That That is a good sign, but you also have to look at the competition that they played. Yeah. And it hasn't been that great. You look at the schedule that's coming up. It's going to be
2: grueling. Can Florida State sustain this type of defense? Uh, Top four in the country in sacks? Probably not, especially when they go to Clemson here in a few weeks. But I'm really impressed. I I think another guy, Janarius Robinson, played really, really well. Obviously had to fill in for a lot more snaps with Kando being out. Uh, And and if they can can keep it up, Florida State's defense in some aspects could be a huge positive moving forward this season.
1: Well, let's look forward, like you said, to NC State. And we had a, a little bit of a conference call earlier today gary and i with jayden harrington from the technician it's wake Forest, or excuse me it is nc, NC State. state's i, I want to say wake forest every time it's nc state's student newspaper we had him on the on on call and he, he was pretty good gary we're gonna play that for you right now i'm here with Jalen harrington who is the football writer and video section editor at the technician nc state's student newspaper he has been a staff writer for the paper since fall of 2018. Jalen, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: What's What's it like down in, uh, or I should say up in NC State these days?
0: <laughs> uh, it's very apprehensive. Uh, people are really concerned about the quarterback position especially. And a lot of people are realizing this team is not as good as maybe they thought they were going to be going into this year.
1: You guys extended Dave Doran last year, correct?
2: Right, he's been, yeah, he's been getting
0: extensions pretty much every year, like one or two year extensions. So he's pretty safe in his job, I think, for at least the next five years. So he's locked in.
1: So you mentioned a little bit, but what were the expectations for the Wolfpack at the beginning of the season after losing um, such a great quarterback last year? And right,
0: Hill? right. I mean, they lost a lot to the NFL on the offensive side, and. I think fans really didn't realize exactly how much they were losing with also two wide receivers going to the NFL. Um, Wolfpack fans looked at the schedule and thought, you know, maybe eight wins this year Um, and certainly felt that that might be the case through the first two games. Then you see that loss to West Virginia and, you know, maybe six is what they should shoot for.
4: And what did you guys learn from that uh, loss to West Virginia?
0: Um, Matt McKay – may not be the answer at quarterback. Um head coach Dave Dorn is still pretty, you know, pretty tied to him as a starting guy, but a lot of fans are kind of saying, where is Hawkman? Where's Leary? Where are the other guys looking like? Um the other thing is the defense made a switch from four two five to three three five. Um through the first two games it looked extremely impressive, extremely dominant against West Virginia, extremely lackluster. So on the defensive end as well, you know, fans are kind of looking and like, is this just the same old same old? Where our secondary is absolutely terrible. You know, um, there are a lot of concerns for fans against good teams. What NC State has?
1: You you mentioned fans, but what what are, what is the media seeing? Uh, what what would your uh, take be on the team so far?
0: Um, I would say I lean more towards. Doran's side of things as far as quarterback, um, you know, Matt McKay never played that much his first two, three years in the program. This is his first start. He's learning. um, And Doran's got to give him, you know, the ability to take his lumps and be unimpressive early on and learn the trade and kind of get better. Um, On the defensive side, things aren't looking too great. um, But at the same time, the defense isn't worse than last year. You know, take that for what you will. (laughs) But at the same time, injuries are also starting to decimate the team, and that's obviously going to play a huge role in this game, too.
4: And when it comes to their defense, what do you expect their game plan to be in order to stop Cam Akers?
0: Um, Doran is really a stop the run first kind of coach. Um, He prefers to leave his corners out on islands, and I think this week will be more of the same. He's going to load that box and he's going to make sure that there are more defenders than the offense has blockers. And even if it means giving up a lot of passing yards, he's going to try and take away can makers first and foremost.
1: Uh, This is their, their biggest test. Really? You you could say West Virginia, but it's, this is an ACC game coming up. You guys haven't played uh, uh, the greatest of schedules so far other than West Virginia. What do you think it's going to be like for the team to come over to Doe Campbell Stadium and play what used to be a perennial power in Florida State?
0: Right. I mean, Florida State is definitely the most talented team that NC State has faced so far this year. And even if they dropped a couple games, you know, this team still has all that talent and they can put it together at any moment. And that makes Florida State the most dangerous team NC State has faced this year. Um, So I think the atmosphere for their first ACC game, you know, with a young team that might get to these players. And I think that'll play a big factor in how the game goes.
1: You, you mentioned a little bit about Bailey Hockman. He was in the Florida State program um, just this last year uh, before he, he transferred to NC State to play. Do you think that Florida State fans might see some bit of a change in, in him playing for NC State in Doak Campbell Stadium against his former team?
0: I think he's definitely going to see at least one series. Um, last week against Ball State, Doran threw him in there while Matt McKay was struggling, gave him a chance. Um, he had a pretty good drive, unfortunately, and w- ended with an interception off of a juggled pass. But Bailey looks good. I mean, going into fall camp, he was a number three quarterback. Towards the end of fall camp, he was pushing for the starting job. So he's got a lot of talent. He's learning the offense. And I think he's really going to push for playing time on Saturday.
4: For him losing the starting job, what was the difference maker in uh, Doran going with McKay rather than Hockman?
0: I think the biggest thing was McKay has spent three years at NC State. He's got a lot of connections with players on the roster. And McKay also does not turn the ball over, ever. And that's one thing Doran really values in an offense. And then a the quarterback is never giving the ball to the other team. And that's something he excels at.
1: You, you've mentioned McKay quite a bit. For people who don't know, uh, from from the tape I've watched, he is somewhat of a dual threat quarterback, but right. he only he only is averaging about three yards per carry. Florida State struggles with these quarterbacks that can get outside the pocket. Um, I noticed that he has four touchdowns running. Should Florida State worry um, once again facing a possible dual threat quarterback?
0: So. Um, actually, I have a controversial take among my peers. Um, I think McKay isn't really a dual-threat quarterback. Now, sure, he can use his legs around the goal line. He's got some short runs for touchdowns, but he'll never really wow you once he gets outside of the pocket and scrambles. But that's what
1: we noticed. We, we have yeah. noticed that, but they have him. At, he has the fourth most carries on the team. You
0: know, yeah. So. So, yeah. So the coaches will give him design runs and he's never going to break the game. He might get you four five, six yards, but he's not Bryce Perkins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so a
1: short yardage situation because he's, he's a big body guy.
0: Exactly, exactly. And he's smart enough to know, you know, when a play is just disrupting, he needs to go and get two, three yards. Um, if I were Florida State, I wouldn't worry too much about that running ability, but definitely around the goal line, just be aware that Matt McKay might keep the ball in run running himself.
4: And other than Kay, who is the other player that we're going to have to look out for this weekend from NC State?
0: Uh, I would go with Zonovan Knight. Uh, the starting running back for NC State. He's a true freshman, but he has 269 yards for the year on 5.7 yards of carry, three touchdowns. Um, he's an electric runner. Um, he hurt his hamstring last week, but he is expected to play. So if he's fully healthy and ready to go, he could break a couple long ones. All
4: right, and then, Going back over to the defensive side, who do you think is going to make the bigger impact? Is it going to be Tanner Ingle or Chris Ingram? Uh, Ingle leads the Wolfpack with, uh, in tackles at 31 on the year at safety, and then Ingram leads the team with three picks at cornerback.
0: Right, right. So FSU fans might remember Chris Ingram from last year and the fits that Tamari Terry gave him uh, when they played the Wolfpack. Chris Ingram is much improved this year, but I'm going to go with Tanner Ingle, you know, Tanner is really the heart of this defense. He makes the most stops on this defense. He's really a heat-seeking missile, you know, whenever he's taking down a runner. And he just provides plays at the right time. And, you know, say a drive goes 90 yards down the field, he might just get his hat on the ball and force a turnover. Like, he just he makes clutch plays, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And even though he's undersized, he hits like a man.
1: What What is the biggest surprise player this year for NC
0: State? Uh, surprise? I would go with Peyton Wilson. Um, Peyton Wilson is a buck linebacker for NC State. That's a hybrid DN and linebacker. Um, and he tore his ACL last year. So he's coming back from injury this year, and he's third on the team with 17 tackles. You know, he's pushing for a starting role, and he's one of the better players on this defense.
1: Well, anything else that uh, you could – Give a a little bit of a cheat sheet to us Florida State uh, reporters and and maybe the football team about NC State, uh, some areas that maybe they aren't so good at.
0: Aren't so good at. The offensive line so far is really struggling against good competition to create holes in the run game, Um, especially at center and at left tackle. Um, Emmanuel McGirt is the left tackle. He really struggles against good uh, good competition, and that might be the case again on Saturday.
1: Well, Jalen, thanks for uh joining us. Really appreciate it. That was Jalen Harrington from the Technician, NC State Student Newspaper. Great to have you, and you gave us awesome insight on this Wolfpack team.
0: All right, thanks, man.
1: Well, we're about halfway through Tomahawk talk. Uh great conversation there. Um love love to have our students on and uh give a give a little bit of perspective, Gary. Pers- well, perspective on how uh,
4: Jalen performed on his first show. At Tomahawk uh, talk? Well, I
1: wouldn't say. I, I I'm just saying. You know, we've got very influential students across the country, and um, I think everyone everyone needs an opportunity to get live on air.
4: I love it personally. Like coming from student newspaper perspective,
1: you need to be able to talk as well. It's not just writing anymore. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Well, we're halfway through the show. This is Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. All right, we're back. It's Tomahawk Talk on the voice of Florida State. I'm your host, Luke Fay. And on the other side of the break, we were talking about NC State and had a great guy come on, Jalen Harrington, give us a little bit of perspective. And one of the things that, that really stuck out to me was he, he did mention the, the Florida State tie-in here is Bailey Hockman, um, who, who was still around in the program when Willie Taggart took over. He transferred out prior to this last season. And ended up at NC State. He was the third-string quarterback, Gary, when it came coming into this year. And what Jalen said was, towards the end of, you know, towards the end of camp, he was pushing for that starting job.
4: Yeah, and he just couldn't get the job. At the end of the day, he lost it to McKay. So. Obviously, that he kind of he might regret his decision, but ultimately, he uh, what was it. Jalen was saying he expects him to at least get one series in this weekend. So who that, knows? That is a big.
1: I think that that is probably the biggest story of of the week. Is is Bailey Hockman going to get to play against his former team? And from everything that we've heard, McKay has been kind of like the hornybrook of of uh, NC State. Not super you know, not super sexy, nothing mm-hmm. nothing great going on with him. He hasn't done terrible, it's just there's no flash. And so for them to try to make a change, you, you, you're gonna have to tell me, Brett, Bailey Hawkman's gonna come to play in Doe Campbell Stadium. If, if he gets, revenge
2: game. If if he
1: gets the opportunity.
2: Yeah, but I th- also think that the Florida State defense might be eager to get after a guy that they mm-hmm. used to play with. Yeah. It's going to be fun for, for neutral fans, for Florida State fans, for Wolfpack fans. Uh, if he does get in the game, he does play a significant number of snaps.
4: Do you think Hockman meets some uh, unpleasant or some not-too-happy fans, Florida State fans, this weekend? Their boo-birds might be out? No, I
2: don't think so. Maybe, maybe just in jest, but I don't think there's any actual ill will against Hockman. Alex?
3: Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think Bailey Hockman was not even to sound no real, one could think it was,
1: fall in love with him. No one had right, the chance to fall in love. Right, we didn't have the him. chance
3: to. It's not like if DeAndre Francois signed with Alabama State and he came in week uh, eleven, that would be a different story.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, I only wish Bailey Hockman the best because the situation that he came in was not the one that he signed up for and ends up Very at true. NC State. So ho- hopefully he'll get his opportunity at NC State. But I, I from from my heart, I, I would hope that it's. Uh, you know, not going to crush uh, the Knolls the this weekend. But but let's look at this team. And the thing that stuck out to me, Gary, also is that they're starting a, a true freshman running back in Zonovan Knight. He has done spectacular things for the Wolfpack. 269 yards, 5.7 yards per carry, three touchdowns. But he is coming with a hurt hamstring. Is that a good sign for the Noles that they aren't going to see a fully healthy... Wolfpack running back.
4: Yeah, and it's also a good sign that what Jalen was saying, that their Wolfpack O-line isn't the strongest one out there. So uh, her, a kind of uh, banged up running back combined with a battle line is only a recipe for disaster at the end of the day.
1: Alex, looking forward to this matchup, where is the part that Florida State will be exposed against NC State?
3: Exposed? I'm not sure. I Nothing from that interview and nothing that I've seen in watching my tape of NC State, really stands out of, oh, we uh, FSU needs to be scared of this part. I actually think I'm pretty confident in their defense, in uh, Florida State's defense. Like Jalen Harrington said, their their biggest guy to watch out for is Zonathan Knight, and he's great, but he's running on a bad hamstring. And other than that, there's really not a lot of athletes that you're used to seeing from NC State. Like there's no Jalen Samuels on this team, anything like yeah. that.
1: Brett, where is the area that Florida State can go after this Wolfpack defense? Because you look at Cam Akers, he's had a heavy load for for FSU these last couple of games. You, this is going to be Alex Hornibrook's first start for for everything that's pointing that way. Is this is this a good a good way for Hornibrook to come in for Acres to come in against a team that isn't as good as we've seen previously?
2: No, I think you know with Hornibrook. quarterback this week and and Acres NC State's going to game plan to absolutely stop Acres and if Florida State gives him as many touches as they have been, he's going to get shut down that's my biggest fear this weekend for Florida State but an area that Florida State can kind of take advantage of is putting a lot of pressure on Matt McKay we, we saw how good of a week the defensive line had last week. A banged-up defensive line. They've got to keep capitalizing on that, using their athletes, putting pressure on the quarterback, and doing it early, setting the precedent for the rest of the game.
4: Well, in one way I noticed, you know, from watching some film on NC State beforehand, the way they put pressure on was running a lot of man blitz packages, a little cover two in there, trying to get a ton of guys on the offensive line to give some pressure to the quarterback. So I think that's really what's going to be – The biggest, the
1: war in the trenches is ultimately going to decide this game. I
2: think 100%, yeah.
1: Florida State, as we mentioned earlier, is number four in the country in sacks with 15. NC State's offensive line is not good from the reports we've gotten. This is another game where Florida State can eat up defensively. And if if they get a couple of free and outs, they got seven against uh, Louisville. If they get some three and outs, maybe Florida State can put together a complete game. And how big would that be? On really a toss-up. I don't think that anyone here is, is sitting going. I feel very comfortable with Florida State and Alex Hornibrook going up against NC State and winning by a blowout margin. Well, I don't believe it's going to be
4: a blowout margin, but I'm confident that Florida State is going to win this game. I still, I still think the way that Florida State's coming in, the way Hornibrook has played, he's got his confidence is probably through the roof at the moment. Rightfully so. Yeah. The way he played and the way he kind of tore apart Louisville, but I. It's just going to be a bit iffy when it comes to crunch time moments, possibly, and even the second-half transition.
2: Yeah, the th- and Jalen mentioned it in that interview. He said that NC State's kind of rolling with a three-three-five. This Florida State offensive line is going to see some unique blitz packages that maybe they're not quite used to seeing, and Alex Hornibrook's going to have to be able to pick those up and adjust if NC State tries to apply pressure early, and they're going to have to spread the ball out a little bit more than they have been.
1: Alex, there's something about going – being thrown into the fire as a football player as a professional as a student when you're thrown into the fire no one really expects a ton out of you Alex Hornibrook I don't think very many people thought that he was going to have the game he did um, given the situation but what can he do against NC State that'll make you say maybe we should reconsider how we look at at the quarterback situation
3: well kind of what you guys alluded to before what happens in crunch time because you know this isn't at least I hope not this isn't going to be a blowout on either side of the ball yeah Uh, there's going to be a crunch time. How does he react then? Like I said before, this isn't a normal freshman getting thrown into the fire that didn't expect any of this. He knew he was going to be playing last week, and he's also a senior who's also played at another Power 5 school in Wisconsin, played in bowl games. How is he going to do in those final five minutes?
2: Brett? I'm not convinced yet. Like I said, Horny Brook, it's it's such a small sample size to make a, a judgment on him. But I, I think he's capable, and that's that, That's going to be all Florida State needs to win this football game. It's going to be close, but I think that's all that Florida State needs to come out with a win.
1: Well, speaking of winning, Florida State, uh, they did win last week. A couple of us got the picks correct. Let's go to predictions right now. Alex, I'm going to start with you. What's the final score of the Florida State-Louisville game this
2: weekend? NC State, rather. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez. All gotcha. right. I you know, we're we're all
1: over the place. We we just played Louisville. Yeah. It's uh it it, it you know, we're we're in the head but NC State.
3: Based on everything I've seen, I'm going to go with kind of a similar score that we saw last week. I think it's going to be 35-21. I think FSU is going to struggle a little bit on defense, but I think their offense is going to look just as good as they've looked in the last 3 weeks. Hopefully this time they will have a complete four quarter
1: game. So what's
2: the score? 35-21. 35-21. Yeah, so last week after the game, you know, Florida State special teams coach, I heard him say to AD David Coburn, slowly but surely, we're getting there. And I think Florida State is making improvements week to week. I've got them winning this one 38-24.
4: Jeez, you're kind of stealing my – you just stole my – These are good picks. These are good picks. I was going to go 38 for a bit, and then I was mentally thinking, "It's like, eh, I kind of did 37 last week, going to flip it now. We're going to go
1: 48-24 Florida State. Like Holybrook turns up the heat like and like dope Campbell under the lights. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of points. I don't think that NC State is and the environment's going to be different. We'll probably see. I believe it's Parents' Weekend. Parents' Weekend night games. Seven thirty. My parents
2: are listening right now, but they're not coming. So uh, same uh, with mine. my parents here are on air.
1: Hey, let's not let's not throw people under the bus. <laughs> uh, but no, I it'll be. I think it'll be sixty plus um, in in the stands, and that's something that NC State doesn't see very often. So Florida State, I think that they will win thirty-one to seventeen. NC State. Maybe makes that quarterback change, but it's not going to be enough. It's going to be ground and, uh, and pounds. And if Florida State can somehow get Kaelin Laburn involved in this game, we'll see a little bit of substance because you have the chance of having a one-two punch with Cam Akers and Kaelin Laburn. Let's see if the Noles try to turn them loose in this upcoming game against the Wolfpack. Well, that's about all we have here with the Florida State-NC State preview. Uh, it it will be a fun game. It, I I really think it'll be a good game. Nice night game. No more nooners or or three thirty thirty one to look forward to. Uh, it, it, all the fans will. Oh, I, I think the soonest section will come out, Gary.
4: Yeah, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a better crowd for sure. It's probably it's gonna be the best crowd of the season. Guarantee it. Eh, Miami Guar- will be the best. Well, this
1: sorry as of right as of yes. now. That's yes. Not, yes. my bad. Okay, I I agree. Yeah. Well, Gary, you have a new segment for yes. us. Uh, it it is uh, a little bit um close to the heart but, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll let you explain it
4: yeah so this new segment i got is called face music i thought about it over the weekend when i saw the end of the ucf pit game and so luke it's time for you to face the music and give us your reaction to ucf's first regular season loss since 2016 when willie taggart and the usf bulls <laughs> took down the knights was it 48 31
1: Yes, I, I uh, was at that game that, that UCF did lose to uh, USF. It, it, it was uh, not as close as, as what they built up to be. Um, no, Florida, or UCF did not play well. They, from, the, from the very get-go, uh, Pitt's defensive line got into the face of UCF's offensive line, and that was really the difference in the game. Pitt scored first. UCF came back I mean they scored 30 I believe 31 unanswered they were down 21 to zero scored 31 unanswered looked like they would be in control some things happened uh balls didn't go their way uh, they a late a late field goal to make it six instead of three they could have gone for it on fourth down um, fourth and five I was okay with the field goal looking back hindsights 2020 this UCF team was good and I believe they they went back up to pit thinking we beat. Pittsburgh fifty-two to fourteen last time we uh, last time to play mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. They lost by one point, and and really the the Philly special they mm. they called it the Pit special. As soon as I <laughs> saw the quarterback go over to the right, I knew exactly what the play was going to be. They didn't stick with the quarterback. Pitt ends up winning the game on a trick play on fourth and three. Really gut riching loss, and I think it's humbling for for UCF because they realize that this Pit defensive line is real. They I mean they are a very good defensive line. They wreaked havoc against uh. Against Penn State a week earlier, but UCF did hang up 34 points. You got to give them credit on that. The problem is, is that they just weren't good enough. They they didn't play well enough. And if you were to make an argument for the college football playoff, you have to win every game and you got to win to handle it. Handily. Sometimes you got to hit adversity. They hit adversity, and it didn't go their way. So, trying to not dwell on it, the team is still great. I think that they'll probably end up winning out the rest of the regular season. But it's a gut wrenching loss.
4: Uh, how long will the Twitter hiatus be this time? I know after the LSU loss, it was
1: two weeks, correct? Um, we'll, we'll probably s- stick at it a week. Hopefully, everyone gets out of my air. But I, this is the first loss for Florida State since my sophomore year, so that's almost three years of uh, of wins, and it. it I understand what it felt like to be a Florida—relating this to Florida State, I understand what it felt like to be a Florida State fan from 2013 <laughs> to
2: 2015. No, you know what, Luke? We, we were all sitting there. Uh, you know, the guy, me, Alex, and the guys from the radio station, Austin Reynolds was there, the guys from the FSU. And while we were in the press box, kind of keeping tabs on the UCF game, and we said, Luke's not going to be feeling real good tomorrow. Mm-hmm. was sitting next to Ari Masudi, and when, 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 the, when the score became final— we said, "Oh no, Luke's in trouble." Luke, but we were all we were all thinking about there you. There was man. a lot of thoughts and we prayers for Luke. Faye. It
1: it was tough. It it was tough. But you know, um, this is this is something that's got to happen, and hopefully they they use it as fuel for the rest of the season. The the season isn't over. Uh, Boise State can always lose a game. This is still a great football team. But Gary, you have another football team that was been, that, that was in a little bit of trouble and probably worse trouble than what mm-hmm. UCF was.
4: Well, yes, and so I know this. the first half of this was for a team that Luke cares near and dearly about, but for uh, Brett and Alex, I got it for you guys. I know you guys don't really, aren't the biggest Michigan fans, but I want to know if it's time for Michigan to face the music and end the Jim Harbaugh experiment. According to Kyle Rowland of the Toledo Blade, he is 0-4 against Ohio State, 1-9 against top 10 opponents, 0-7 as an underdog, 1-6 on the road against ranked opponents, and he has five losses by at least 21, including three of his last five games. However, he is 40-15 and 15 during his four years and change at Michigan.
2: Listen, they lost to a really, really good Wisconsin team this past weekend. At they Camp got Randall.
1: dismantled they, by a good
2: Wisconsin okay, team. They were true.
1: never in the game.
2: But this Wisconsin team, I think, is one of the best in the Big Ten, probably second to only Ohio State, and they have the best player in the country in Jonathan Taylor.
1: Sweet so it Hot take you can't harp on
2: hardball <laughs> you can't harp on hardball for just this loss these types of losses happen especially against teams of Wisconsin's caliber but the problem is it's not just this game gary just gary, gary just pointed out all the stats he's lost almost every big game that he's coached at michigan i think you give him the rest of this year he's got to beat michigan he's probably got to win a big bowl game if not you got to reevaluate reevaluate the situation you might have to move on from Jim Harbaugh.
1: Alex?
3: Yeah, I think that he he, I, he definitely has one of the hottest seats in college football right now because there's three things that an athletic director and the boosters look at when it comes to a good resume, obviously. Well, four things, I guess. The, <laughs> the most important thing is your win-loss record, of course, just your overall win-loss record. Unless you're record. UCF. Unless you're UCF.
2: Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so that wasn't a jab. That was a jab at college yeah. football, not UCF. True. Yeah. Go go ahead.
3: It's um, and the three things besides your just your win loss record, are rivalry wins, conference championships, and top twenty five wins, and just like the stat that you guys rolled off, just now they have one win against a top ten opponent, and that he wins all the games he's supposed to, which is great. Yeah, it's more than you can say for a bunch of other coaches in college football. But at a certain point, he's doing a lot better than Brady Hoke. But at a certain <laughs> point, and Rich Rod. Yes. At a certain point, though, you do have to start asking the tough questions. But, in fairness, just to play devil's advocate, I don't think you should make a move until someone else becomes available.
1: And I, I want to I jump off of that. And that, This is my biggest thing. My, my dad has always told me this when people get up in arms about a fire. Can you do better than what you have? And if you look at across the country and what's happening, can you do better than Jim Harbaugh? Because Jim Harbaugh, he gets fired. If he wants another job, he's going to have the next best job. It's not, I wouldn't say exactly it's all on him. It's really who you hire as a coordinator. You look at Ed Ogeron, he's a defensive coach. But the, the offensive coordinator that they hired, his, his name is escaping me right now, but the offensive coordinator they hired, LSU has the best offense in the country. I'm going to come out and say it. They looked amazing against against Vanderbilt. They are the best offense in the country what Jim Harbaugh didn't uh, didn't do is hire a good offensive coordinator and it's going to come back to bite him. Should they get rid of Jim Harbaugh? No. I don't think they do. They can't do better, but the fans he does need to prove he's got to beat Ohio State. That that's the big thing. If he can't beat Ohio State, then what is he what is he good for? Alex.
3: Yeah, and speaking of coordinators, I mean, you don't have to look any farther than just Tallahassee. Last year the S&P ranking for FSU's offense was 97. This year it's 19 after hiring Kendall Bryles. Uh, it's and you're exactly right. It is a lot of it has to do with your coordinators.
1: And I, I want to I wanna finish off on this segment of, of what Gary just created, which is face the music. And this is one for the entire panel. Is it time to face the music that the University of Florida, the Florida Gators, with a backup quarterback, Kyle Trask, are now the top team in the state of Florida? I don't know if with Kyle Trask are the best team in the state of Florida, I don't even know if with Felipe
4: Franks are the best team in the state for Florida, but look at the look at the rest of the state. It's not too impressive. So
1: by default, they kind of become the best team. But uh, Brett, I don't know if you saw Kyle Trask play. Florida almost looks like a better better team with him at the helm.
2: Yeah, it looks like the team's kind of rallying around him. I'm not ready to crown Florida yet because I think UCF is still such a great team. Losses like they had against Pitt. That happens. That's college football. We've seen great teams lose to not-so-great opponents.
1: Pitt, Pitt the last three years has beaten a, a, um, a top-15 opponent. Um, they beat Clemson. And they hung in there with Penn State last last week. Yeah. So Pitt is known to do this, but still it's not a, not a good look. I, I like this Florida football team. They are going to be pretty good. Caltrask and this is one thing that so, someone told me. He said... Kyle Trask makes a second read, and that was the one thing wrong with Felipe is he kind of stuck to one read. It Kyle Trask actually surveys the field, so it gives you a little bit added bonus where Florida, Florida is a pretty serviceable team. Now can they hold it together defensively? I know they've had a lot of injuries with that, but Alex, can you say that it's time to face music, that Florida is the is the best team in the state and really uh, a big problem for Florida State coming down the road at the end of the season?
3: Oh, I think it will definitely be a problem for Florida State. I, but to say that they're the best team in Florida, kind of like what you guys said, just because you lost to Pitt doesn't mean you're, you're any worse than you were the week before. I mean, Clemson lost to Pitt. Uh, was it Pitt that Clemson lost to a couple years ago? Yes, it was. And does that make Clemson any worse? They still won the national championship. So, True. I, yeah. I don't think UCF's any worse now just because they lost to Pitt.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, Gary, uh, I, I think that's all we got for your Face Music. Great, great segment, by the Thank way. Thank you. Um, but let's, let's move on to the very end. We've got about four minutes left. Brett, I'm going to let you take this one away. This is something that we haven't talked about very much in, in baseball. This is right okay. up. We've got three <laughs> baseball guys in here. Let's talk about the AL uh, wild card race and, and the NL as yeah, well. So
2: a lot of the playoff spots have already been clinched. A lot of the de- divisions are already wrapped up. But in the American League wild card, the Oakland A's hold the first spot with a two-game lead. And tied for the second spot, the only two teams left in contention are the Cleveland Indians and the Tampa Bay Rays. Both sit at 92 and 64 right now. The Rays are playing right now. The Indians have an off, off night tonight. And they both have six games left in the season. It's going to be a really close one. I think the Rays are the better team, but anything can happen in a week of baseball. I, I'm, I'm a little biased with that answer, um, but, but it's going to be a really, really exciting week, and uh, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat uh, until Sunday afternoon.
4: You could say the Rays are the better team, but they don't have the easiest the easier schedule. I mean, I know the Yankees have already clinched their division in the East, so... They might kind of take a step back and ease off well, the gas pedal a well, bit. Well, but...
2: the, the Indians have three games left at the Chicago White Sox, who they are 7-9 and nine against this mm-hmm. year, and that's a bad White Sox team. Yeah. Then yep. they go on the road and play the Washington Nationals who are going to make the postseason this year as a nationally wild card. That is not really an easy schedule. They're probably going to face both Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin on the road this weekend. I think that's a really good sign for the Rays, who only have to play the Yankees for two games before they hit the road for three against the Toronto Blue Jays.
1: How are you feeling about this, this, uh, this pitching squad that – the Rays have put together at the end of the season who were hampered by injuries. Well,
2: they've dealt with injuries the entire year. You missed Tyler Glass now for most of the season.
1: And he was a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, I
2: know. And Blake Snell, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, who's pitching on the mound right now, he missed a big chunk here towards the end. They're both on limited uh, pitch counts, so they're not going to be able to go out there and throw seven, eight, nine innings. But if you can piece together a, you know, a team like that, where you're going from Glass now to Snell to the back end of the bullpen in a postseason game, that might be unstoppable.
1: Alex, who's the most disappointing team that is on the edge of that wild-card race that, that isn't going to make it?
2: Uh, well, I'm going
3: to shift over to the it's probably It's probably either the Mets or the Cubs, just because the Mets had that really hot July and August, and if they just hadn't,
1: but were they expected to be anything? That—that's my big Mets fans. Mets fans on, would say so.
3: <laughs> on paper, there they should be something almost every year. Um, but in, you know, injuries, just and injuries, manager, bad coaching, yeah, bad management, um, poor, just poor play at times. We got a live
2: update in this postseason race. The Red Sox take a one-nothing lead on the Rays, Ooh, and Blake up. Snell is getting pulled after an inning and two-thirds, only throwing fifty-two pitches tonight. So the Rays are going to the bullpen. Early in this one, Chaz yeah. Rowe coming in. Hey, they're in they're
1: ball. they're used to the opener, so it's not it's, <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> true. But yeah, let, let let's look at this race. We, we've got about a minute left, so all three of you guys, hottest team in baseball going into the postseason. That if if you were a team, you would not want to play.
2: The St. Louis Cardinals. We saw what they just did on the road at Wrigley Field against their biggest rival, the Chicago Cubs. Looks like they've well, they already have wrapped up the NL Central. I do not want to play the Cardinals this this offseason, or this postseason rather. Alex, probably
3: the Oakland A's, eight and two in their last ten games, uh, two up in the wild card race. They're going to get home field advantage, and that's when they get to the playoffs. That's an, that's a big cavernous stadium. But when they get to the playoffs, that is not a place you want to play.
1: And it, correct me if I'm wrong. This this might be one of the uh, final times that the Oakland A's are going to be playing in their stadium. Is no that, other way around. The Raiders. Okay. will Okay, I know yeah. the, the Raiders, but they're they are getting in talks of, of maybe getting yes. a new stadium. And
3: as me and Gary both know, playoff baseball in a football stadium is um a whole nother level <laughs> oh
1: yeah <laughs> oh boy well Gary give me give me your, your team well, as we go out
4: team not a wild card team but the Houston Astros the Houston they're gonna be the toughest team to beat all playoffs all for whoever for whatever division whatever league you're in Astros are the team to beat
1: well that's all we got for uh, this this uh episode of Tomahawk talk uh, thank you to my panel Alex Kruchik Brett Rutherford to my left Gary Putnick Austin Reynolds helping out um, on Twitter along with Luke Hazen. That's all we have for Tomahawk Talk. This is WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next.